You may be seated. Today, I would like to share with you the subject, Faith by Action, or Faith in Action. And before, I would like to explain what kind of faith I am not talking about in this morning. I am not talking about faith in the same way that the World Faith Movement believe. They believe that faith has power in itself and that faith can control God even if God doesn't agree with what we are asking than him. They believe that with faith, you can change your reality or create your own future. And this is not the faith that the Bible talks about. They believe that you can become rich with faith or poor, and that if you are poor, it is because your lack of faith. I just want to be clear. This is not the faith that I am talking about in this morning, and this is not the faith that the Bible teaches us. So let's us pray. Heavenly Father, we humbly come to you, asking for you to be the one talking to each other, for you to be the one using your word. We all have different needs, and we all are in different situations in our life. But in this moment, we are asking for you to talk to us, for you to use me, and for all the glory and honor to be for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our reading today is in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and then we're going to jump into verse 6. Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for, being convinced of what we do not see, verse 6. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For the one who approached God must believe that he assists and that he rewards those who seek him. There is no verse in the Bible like this one. This is the only verse in the New Testament or in the Old Testament that explains to us the nature of faith and what is faith. And what the writer is saying that faith, it is a state of mind where we see things and we act like those things are real. We have not seen angels. I maybe, maybe some of you, but most of us never have seen the angels, right? We haven't seen Christ. 
We haven't seen God. We haven't seen any demons. We haven't seen heaven. We haven't seen the streets of gold that the Bible promised us, right? But we believe in those things, and we act like they are real. And then one day when we die, we are going to go there. We believe that we will be resurrected, that Christ will come, right? We believe all those things, and we believe it because we read those things in the Bible, that one day our suffering will stop, and that we will be there. Why? Because the Word of God, the Bible. We believe those things. So faith takes control of our minds, our actions, and make us believe in those things like they are real. Every human being in the planet exercise some kind of faith every day of their life. For example, you woke up this morning and you change your clothes, right? And you plan, I'm going to church. Why? Because you believe that you will be, come here and get here being safe. Every morning, we wake up, we get dressed, we take the train, the airplane, uh, our car, the, whatever it is, because we believe that we're going to get there. That is faith in action. Little things that nobody guarantee us that we will get it, we act on them. And this is faith in action. And what the, the writer is telling us is that since the beginning of time, that the new believers understood that the only way for you to be saved, it is by faith. But it is not only being saved. They understood that you need to walk by faith, to live by faith, and that all the trials, all the suffering that they went through, what kept them going, believing it was faith. They were tempted, like you and me, to live their life trusting the human senses, like what we can see, what we can touch, our emotion. Uh, what other people are telling us to do, but they decided to trust the word of God. When they were planning their life, uh, deciding to go to college, deciding whatever it is that they want to decide, they say, I'm going to trust what God is telling me. And this is why when you read Hebrews chapter 11, you're going to find 20 times the word faith. By faith, by faith, by faith they did this. By faith they got there. By faith they went there. Faith is extremely important in the life of the believer. Why is Abel, remember Abel in the Bible? He is in the hall of fame together with Moses, Abraham, and those people that did great things, when Abel, the only things that he did was to bring an offering. 
bringing an offering to God cannot compare to all the things that Moses did, right? But you know what? Abel was the first human being that understood that for you to have a relationship with God, you need faith. So his faith in, in God's eye is enough to put him right there with Moses and all those people that we admire, right? Or well, let's talk about uh, the prostitute Rahab. You remember when the spy went into Jericho? The only things that she did was she welcomed those men and hide them. But here she is in the Hall of Fame of the great uh, men and women of the Bible because faith, faith it is extremely important in the life. Hebrews 11, 32 and 35. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets. Through faith they conquered kingdoms and military justice, gained what was promised, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fighters, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength in weakness, became mighty in battle, put foreign armies to flight, and woman received back death, raising to live. All these things were done by people like you and me. We have this tendency to think that all those people in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, they were different than us. That they were more holy than us. But they have a lot of weakness. They have a lot of flaws. They have a lot of family issues. In fact, go and study each of them. And the only person that you can say that was pure and holy, it was Christ. All of them have a lot of problems. Inside of them and outside of them. The difference with them was that they decided to trust God. They have faith in God. Some people believe that God exists. That God is the creator of the universe. Everybody, well, not everybody, you know, 95% of the population believe that God exists, that he's real. But where people fail, it is to believe in God. Believe God. Believe his word. Believe and trust what he say that it is real. When we are in, in troubles, when we are in tribulations, that is when the kind of faith we have shows. Most people or some people, when they are going to trials and to problems, you can say, you can see that their faith is weak. The Bible tells us the story of this woman who has blood flaws for 12 years. And she heard that Jesus was in town. She heard, like us, 
we heard the word of God, right? Most likely, according to what we read, this woman never before had an encounter with Jesus. She heard about Jesus, of Jesus' power. And she was thinking, if I am able just to touch his mantle, I will be healed. And the Bible tells us the story that there's a lot of people around Jesus. And Jesus stopped walking because he felt power coming out of him. And he looked at the woman and said, go, your faith hath healed you. Bartimaeus, the blind man, the blind man, you remember him? And this, I like him because he's like us. He couldn't read. He couldn't see. He was blind. But, but somebody told him about Jesus, what Jesus was doing in other people's life, how many miracles Jesus was doing. And when he heard that Jesus was crossing, passing by, he started screaming, have mercy on me, Jesus. Have mercy on me. And people were telling him, shut up, you are bothering the, bothering the teacher. But he kept screaming, have mercy on me. He knew if this man have mercy on me, I will see again. That is faith. And Jesus said, bring him. And what Jesus told him, your faith has healed you. Why did Jesus do all these things for all these people? Because God is pleased when he sees that you trust him. Verse 6 of um, Hebrew 11. Listen to this. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For the one who approached God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. The requirement to please God, it is to have faith in him. He will move to fight for you. God will move to answer your prayer. This is why we pray, right? Because we believe that the God in heaven will listen to our prayer. That he will make a door when there is no door. That God will make a way when there is no way. That is why we pray. And when God sees that we are trusting him, he's pleased. Faith, it is extremely Important. Spurgeon said, and I quote, Faith is the hands that take the offer of salvation. Faith is the hand that takes the offer of salvation. Faith is the silver thread upon which the pearls of the grace are to be strung. The man of little faith is the man of little love. The man of great faith is the man of great affection. He that has great faith in God will give himself to die for God. Faith is the pipe that brings the water 
into our house, end of quote. The disciples, you remember this, they understood by walking with Jesus, by seeing Jesus talking and dealing with people, they understood that faith was vital. That faith was extremely important when dealing with God. And you remember what they asked Jesus? Increase our faith. Hmm? Increase our faith. In the Christian life, we do everything by faith. We believe, we walk, we live, we talk, we plan everything by faith. The righteous by faith will live. Faith in God's promise, in God's protections, in his provision, in his presence, in his power. We need to ask God to increase our faith. Amen? If the churches and leaders all around the whole world do not exercise bold faith in a way that the members can imitate them by doing great things, we will suffer the syndrome of grasshopper. You, you never heard that syndrome, right? That is the syndrome that make you feel small, that make you feel that the problem is bigger than you, that make you feel like you are all alone, that nobody is fighting alongside you, that the battle is lost, that there's no way out. And this syndrome we find in Numbers chapter 13. You don't have to look. I'm going to tell you the story. Do you remember when Moses sent the spy into the land to see what type of land it was? To see what kind of enemies they have to face? Now, remember, God's promise then, I will give you all those land. So Moses is getting ready, and he's sending those people there. You already know the story, right? They came back. And they say the land is beautiful. It is a marvel of land, fertile land. This is a beautiful land, but there are giants in there. Those people have armies. Let's forget about this land. They forgot God's promise. When they saw, you know, the enemies, the, the, the problems, the obstacles that they needed to face. They forgot that it was in God's hands that they needed to trust. And we all can relate to that, right? When sickness moved in, into your house. When your worst Nightmare become reality in your, the life of your children. When you lose your job. When your husband or your wife leave you. When somebody that you love die. When things don't go your way. Our tendency it is to panic. To be afraid. To feel that. 
our prayer is not reaching God. That God will have no mercy on us. But look how people with faith react. Verse 30 in Numbers say, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up. And take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. That is faith. I want invi- to invite you. Go to your house and read the story of this man. He was there with Moses. And when he was very old, like 80 or 90 something, I don't remember the exact age, he came to Joshua and said, I want for you to allow me to to take possession of all this land because I remember God's promise. You remember? And he said, I am old, but I still feel the same way when I was 40 years old. That is faith. How can we forget David and Goliath, right? We don't even have to talk about David and Goliath because we all understand what is faith when you act trusting in God. Faith, it is a active, everyday things, trusting in God. When you begin to walk with God and see God is when you are really taking God seriously, when you are walking by faith, when you are believing all the things that God promised in your life, faith will grow in you. You remember when Jesus says that we only need to have faith as big as a mustard seed? Do you understand that the monster tree is just one seed, but this thing is still growing and growing and growing and growing? Jesus is saying that our faith is supposed to grow. Our trust in God is supposed to grow every day of our life. Have you seen how many things in your past God rescued you from? Do you remember where were you 30 years ago, five years ago, and here you are. Because God's promise. When we have faith, we will see things. We will experience things that we never thought that they were possible. Jeremiah 33.3. Cry to me, and I will answer you. And I will show you great and hidden things. We need to cry to God. Hmm? If we cry, he will hear us. He will protect us. He will protect the people that we love. He will bring a new pastor for the church. He will fight for the church. Save those people that we are praying to be saved. But we need to cry with faith. We need to cry believing 
in our mighty Father. We need to move ahead with our lives, planning in faith, believing that God is with us. You have to keep giving, living your life trusting God. When you wake up in the morning, you are supposed to smile. Why? Because God is with you. Yes, humanly, things look bad. It's a mess, right? Humanly, you are not supposed to wish, you know, or keep going. Humanly, you say, it is time to run. But faith say, no, 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 no. Stay there. Keep fighting. This is my fight, not yours. Faith will open this window into heaven, into God's throne. Faith it is. Every time that you use faith, and it is according to God's will, you will understand that God's will is pleasant to us. People are afraid to put their, their lives into God's hand because they think oh, most likely God is going to send me to Africa, to some people, you know, with no food, no electricity, of Latin America, whatever, you know. God, they have this image that God is going to make you suffer. Jesus said, my joke is easy. And Paul said that his will is pleasing to us. Churches and life are dying everywhere. And the reason it is because of faithless planning. All the plans are around to keep everything how it is. To keep everybody in the comfort zone. Why can't we experience the power of God? Honestly. Why do we have to read all the people's story or read a book about all the wonderful things that God is doing in other people's lives, in other churches, but nothing our. Why? Why do we stop dreaming big for God? Why do we stop planning to do great things for God? Why can God use my life, your life, the life of the church, to save those people that need to be saved. Why our church and our life cannot vibrant, full of God possibilities. Why do we have to accept to be so, I don't have the word, so small? Why? Why do we need to let other people do things with faith? When are we are going to accept the challenges, the ministry, and leave 
space to take control of our lives. Family, brothers and sisters, we have a powerful God. We have a powerful God. But without faith, we will never experience that power. Let me quote Spurgeon once again. Listen to this. Quote, with faith, I can do all things. Without faith, I shall neither have the inclination nor the power to do anything in the service of God. If Listen to this. If you will find the men who serve God best, you will find them men of the most faith. Little faith will save a man, but little faith cannot do great things. If there are great battles and great works to do, there must be great faith, end of quote. You know who this man is. Hmm? You know who this man is. And he's saying, without faith, you cannot do great things for God. Yes, you are saved. But that's it. You cannot accomplish the great things that God is planning for you. It gets so frustrating dealing with people of little faith. And you know why it gets frustrating? Because people of little faith, they're always telling you, why? We are fine. Why we need to change things? We've been doing it this way. Why bother? Let other people do it. And everything is why. Why not? The reason that we need to do it is because if we are following God's lead, he will take us to new places. If we are following God's lead, he will bring new challenges. God will never be pleased with somebody whose life stops. I am too old to do this. I am too tired. I am too busy. Oh, I already did my part. I am too young. I don't have the experience. I don't have the education. Read the Bible. In the Bible, God's always called busy people, old people, young people, people with no experience, People with education and no education. And God say, I am calling you with all those issues that you have. Because I want to show you that it is me who is doing it. It's not you. 
We always want somebody else to suffer for us. Somebody else to accept God's calling. But this is our time. We need to do it. The missionary, William Carey, he was challenging the churches to go and bring the gospel to the heathen. And nobody liked him in the churches because he was always talking about this. We need to go and preach the gospel to all those people. And one of the leaders told him, listen, stop with this. If God wants to save the heathen, he will find a way. And one day this man preached and he said, expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. Limbro back to church, parents, mothers, expect great things from God. But at the same time, you know, attempt great things for God. This is the calling. Plan your life, your budget, your activities, your goals, your ministry, your outreach, whatever it is that you are planning, planning and leave a space for faith. A place where you can see that it is God that will do, not us. Remember, if whatever we are planning as a church, as an individual, we plan according to our own abilities, according to our own powers, we are the one who is doing it. We need to leave a place in our life where we can say, it was God who did it. It was God who did it. I'm sorry to share this story because it's, it's concerned me. When I started the church in 1993 in Corona, Queens, with uh, eight adults and like 15 youth, we rented a place in Roosevelt Avenue in 88th Street paying $1,300 a month rent. My salary was $75 a week. And the church will bring food for me. I used to work in Macy's. And we grow. It was a church of immigrants. No money. Nothing. You know. So we grow. And we needed a bigger place. In Roosevelt Avenue in 104th Street, that, this storefront, like 4,000 square feet, the, the first floor and the basement, it was for rent. Me, the co-pastor, and the deacon, we went to talk to the owner. And we asked him, how much is the rent? He said, $3,000 per month. The deacon, he was the, the, the more uh, uh, um, weak with faith. He was telling me, are you crazy? We cannot pay this. And I said, how much do you need for, for you to hold the place for us? He said, I need $9,000. Uh, the first month, uh, the security, 
and the deposit. And I say, okay, um, we don't have the money right now. Um, how long can you wait? It was, that was a Monday night, and he said, if you bring me the money by Thursday, I will hold the place for you. But you have to give me something. I asked the deacon that was the treasurer, how much do we have? He said, $500 in the account. And he said, okay, give it to him. Give it a check. And he called me, come here, Winston. And he said, are you crazy? This is why I'm always fighting with you, Winston. You always do crazy things. The co-pastor, okay, the co-pastor, uh, Andres, I support Winston. Give him the $500. The last $500 that we have in the bank, we gave it to this man. And I say, by Thursday night, we're going to bring the $8,500 for, for you to give us the place. When I finished, the reality came over me. But I have a weapon, prayer. I call all the members of the church. You know, in the church, there are those people that they are warriors of prayer. You know that those people pray, right? I call all those ladies we need to pray. I know I was praying, oh, God, I say this. I promise this. We need $8,500 by Thursday night. We were praying. Thursday came, 1 o'clock in the morning, nothing. I got this phone call from Cleveland. And the boys say, is this Winston Peña? I say, yes. Say, my name is Edwin Ayala. I'm never going to forget this name. You don't know me, but I heard that you are starting a church in Corona, Queens. I say, yes, that's correct. He say, well, three years ago, our church decided to start a church in Corona Queens. And we separated $12,000. But the guy uh, uh, who was supposed to start the church left the country. And we had some money in the bank. And I said, how much it is that you have? How much did you have? You, you want to guess? $8,500. I said, can you send it to Western Union right now? There is one in front of me. I Look, honestly, I didn't even say goodbye to him. <laughs> Nothing. I went to Western Union. $8,500. But this, like, we end up renting the whole building, the first floor, the second floor, and we were paying a poor church $6,000 a month of rent. We have GED programs. We have uh, English class. We have computer programs. We have, we have a, a soup kitchen that we're serving food to people every day. And you know what happened? Like after we stayed there almost for 20 years in that place. You know what happened? The city came and said, this is not supposed to be a church. And we have pews like this. And they closed the church. hundred and fifty people with no church. People start saying, oh, somebody must have seen something. Guys, you know how people are. We were worshiping God in a bar. And I remember that when you walk, your sh the shoes will stick because all the beer in the floor still was there, the smell of beer, and we were there. They were selling a house in Roosevelt. 
$375,000. No bank wanted to give us the, the loan because it was a poor church. But I have a weapon. Pray. Let's pray, people. And we start praying and praying and praying. One organization gave us the mortgage for $375,000. And look, we kept the house for one year, and we sold the house for $1,325,000, and we bought the building that the church owned. Everything by faith. To God be the glory. Everything by faith. And Limber Baptist Church expect great things for God. Do great things for God. Hmm? Faith is danger, but it is a good danger because faith will bring new things to pass. Faith will bring new strength. Faith will bring new hope. Faith will bring life into those lives that are dry, that they are dying. Faith will change things. Not faith in itself, but faith in God. Faith will change things. But God needs to see us willing to follow him. To open our ears. What it is that you are calling me, God? Joshua, you remember Joshua? He was in this battle. And he needed the sunlight to win. You remember? And the sunset was coming. And Joshua screamed on faith, Sun stop. And the sun stopped. Now, we all know that the sun doesn't move, right? We know that it's the earth that moves. But God didn't say to Moses, uh, to, to Joshua, listen, let me explain to you how the rule of the universe works. And only that. Why did you, didn't you start fighting early if you knew that the sun will come down? Why? No, no, no. God didn't care about the things. God thought, this man need me. This man is trusting me. This is my battle. And I'm going to violate the rule of nature. And I'm going to stop the sun because this man has faith. That's what the Bible says. It's not me saying it. Faith. Some people of little faith will, will, will spend weeks and weeks planning about things and considering all logistics and all things. What about this and what about that? And we need to plan. We need to plan. But there are some occasions where you need to jump in faith. What is the worst thing that can happen? Well, we discover that there is no God will. Okay, we're going to try here now. You know, God will always bless any ministry, any life that it is committed to spread the gospel. To discipleship, to train new leaders, to send people out. God, it is a hundred percent to committed to bless any person, any church that it is committed to spread the gospel, to discipleship, to create ministry, to 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 minister to the the, the community, the life of the church. 
people that want to move. God always going to be there, shining for us, protecting us. With faith, there is no ministry. With faith, there is no goal. There is no church that cannot be possible. There is no situation in our life that God cannot deal with. I don't know what kind of situation you are right now. I don't know what kind of storm, trial, tribulations, pain, darkness, whatever it is. And you may want to quit. May you want to say, you know, it is time for me to give up. This situation is not sustainable. But let me tell you, with God, things can change. With God, you can change things. God wants for you to trust him. For you to believe in him. This is not my church in, in the sense that ownership. This is not your child's side, right? Who is the one committed to this church? God. He died for this church. So he will do. Those things that need to be done. But remember this. It is not my thing, your thing. It is not how you want it. It is not how I want it. It is how he wants it. And that's what we need to understand. God will act in your life. And I don't like this about God. No, honestly, when I die and I go there, I'm going to talk to him. He never gave me the things I asked him. He always, he always gave me better things, you know, but I want things the way that I think. And I want for him to do things the day that I need it. He always waits the last moment when I am desperate, when, when, when I am crying and screaming. I understand why. He wants to show me it is not your power. It's not your ability. It's not your money. It's not your education. It is me who is doing it. Hmm? It is me who is doing it. But we want to force God's hands. This is the time. You remember Moses in front of the, the Red Sea? What are we going to do? Where are we going to do? Where are we going? And God said, hit the water. Walk. Finally. In the Christian life, we do everything by faith and only by faith. The righteous, by faith, will live. Faith in God's promise, in God's presence, in his protection, in his providence, in his power. The requirement to move, it is to move in God, to move in faith. I want to read this, Isaiah 54, 2 and 3. Listen to this. Oh, I, I like that verse in there. Enlarge the place of your tent. 
stretch your ten curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strength your stakes. Okay? Your stake dips. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants, my, 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 my version say, your children will dispossess nations and settle in their desolated city. Limbro back to church. Make your tent large. Stretch your tent curtain farther out. Spare no effort. Lengthen your robes and pound your stake deep. Father and mother, for you, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your children will conquer nations and will resettle desolated city. Isn't this wonderful news? That we can do all those things, believing and trusting God. We need the power to act in faith. Just at the conquest of Jericho, this is the victory of faith that overcomes the wall and the enemy of our souls. This is the faith that is both resilient and offensive. This kind of biblical faith is an operation of faith. We need to come to God and ask him, my faith is weak. Lately, my faith is disappearing, God. Increase my faith. Increase our faith. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we need to increase our faith. We need to trust in you. We need to become people that plant big things for you. To face life problems, life difficulties with you. That believe that you will move to protect us, to provide for us. Help us to increase our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to participate now of the Lord's Supper. And um, 